If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. And friends, in today's episode, we are going to be joined by A.J. Steinberg and talking about how to get and keep event sponsorships. Let me share with you that we realize this might be a really good topic for us to have a conversation with an expert about, because in a recent Asked Off Live, it was a question that came up. And when that Asked Off Live actually went live, you know, once we posted it on our podcast feed, I had a number of people reach out to me and say, Dolph, yeah, this is something else that my organization also really struggles with. How do we get and how do we keep our event sponsors. And that's why we invited A.J. Steinberg to join us today. Now, let me share with you, when nonprofits in Southern California want to generate serious money from their events, they turn to A.J. Because she is an event producer, consultant, and trainer with over 20 years of event experience. She has coordinated and made over 100 big events happen and has raised millions and millions of dollars. And so that is why I had to invite AJ to come on the podcast and share a little bit of her in-depth knowledge about how we can get and keep event sponsors. Hey, AJ, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dolph. So tell me about the little event that moved mountains. Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite little stories. We all have our little favorite clients and stories. This was a YMCA group in a region around here in Southern California, and it had nine different YMCA clubs in it. And what happened was the whole community was very angry at the YMCA because they had an unfinished capital campaign that had been sitting as an empty hole in the ground for two years. So there was a lot of negatives. And then for some reason, they decided they wanted to do an inaugural brand new gala. So that is probably the wrong time to do it. And they decided to do it at the Four Seasons, which is an expensive venue. So there were a lot of strikes against this event. However, the 
executive director and the development director were superstars and they realized that this could be a make or break for this small organization. So they brought me in and we did everything right. We carefully crafted the event so it would appeal to their donors. We chose what I call the golden goose honoree. That means somebody who will open their heart and their Rolodex to help us to get sponsors and to fill seats. And then we created this amazing event that really resonated with the people who were attending. So by the time we were done with the event, not only did we surpass their high expectations of $100,000 is what they wanted to raise, which was almost impossible, but not only did we surpass it, we made almost $300,000. And then the honoree was so touched that during the event, he stood up and he matched what had been given at the paddle raise. So we raised over half a million dollars, but just as importantly, this little <laughs> event that could suddenly turned this capital campaign that had been flagging, the honoree turned around and fulfilled the $2 million that was needed to finish it. And now that entire organization has been blooming and is a community favorite just because they did everything right at that first event. Wow. And so that causes me to have so many questions. So I want to go back a little bit into the early part of this story. So you said that $100,000 was an ambitious goal for them. Now, obviously, I understand the community was upset. They had a hole in the ground. They were not finishing their capital campaign. Are those the primary reasons why $100,000 was an ambitious goal? Why was that such a big goal for this organization? Well, it's interesting you ask that because $100,000 seems to be the stock answer I get when I say, what are your goals for this event? And people will always just say, we'd like to make $100,000. And I'm thinking, well, that's fine, but that's just one goal, you know, stewardship and awareness of your organization, donor appreciation, they're all goals. But they had never had a gala before. They had never raised $100,000 before. And this is a YMCA. This is not a museum or a philharmonic where I the expectations of large legacy type gifts are there. It was a regional YMCA group. And though they had one or two areas of wealth that they covered, these were a lot of blue class working neighborhoods. So we didn't know how this was going to play. Plus, we were suffering. There were seven different boards because there were seven different. <laughs> I don't really, my eyes roll back in my head. There were seven different boards because there were seven different clubs involved in this. And so we had to go and sell this, and this is it, make a case for support. So all the clubs would be involved. All the boards would not have what I call grumpy board syndrome, where you walk in and they're like, you know, we're not going to help you out with this. So we had a lot of negatives pulling at us. And $100,000, I knew, could be attained if we did everything right. But we needed a lot of pieces, a lot of people to have confidence in us to really believe that we could do an event that would make them proud. And obviously, you all chose the honoree well, because you got a good golden goose honoree who matched the paddle raise and then gave an additional $2 million on top of that. I always say the two most important things you can do at the start is choose your golden goose honoree and then an amazing event committee. Sometimes it's harder to work with the committee, oftentimes, than doing it yourself. But they are just bringing all the assets, not only just ticket sales, marketing for you, heavy lifting help. There's a lot that your committee can do if they're chosen right. Absolutely. Now, I know today we're going to primarily be focusing on sponsorship. So my gut says, though, for this organization and for that YMCA, sponsorship clearly was not their largest single revenue maker or revenue generator in this event. 
that was probably the paddle raised in the Golden Goose. But how much did sponsorship bring in? Well, it actually, it was very, very robust, a robust sponsorship, because what we do with your honoree is you sit the honoree down and you say, you're being honored. Who do you think would like to pay tribute to you? Who has been your CPA for the past 20 years? Who's been your lawyer for the past 20 years? Who's the landlord of your large business? We walk them through the assets they have and we let them know it's not going to be hard. You don't need to do anything but give us a warm handshake, meaning here's an email or a phone call saying, I'm being honored by the Boys and Girls Club or the YMCA or whoever, cystic fibrosis. And this is a cause that's near and dear to my heart. I've been on the board for five years. I'd like you to take a call from AJ Steinberg, who's going to walk you through an opportunity of how you can be a part of this event. They don't ask for money. They don't mention numbers. They just say, this is important to me. And I'd like you to take this call or this email. And that's how we do. So we did make a lot in sponsorships. I also sit down boards and do that same kind of protocol of brainstorming. Do not ever assume your board is going to come up with some great ideas without your help. I don't know if you've had different experiences, but you know, if you lead them, they will use their brains and help you. But if you're just sitting there expecting them to come up with names of potential sponsors you can reach out to, that's not going to happen. I'll share with you. I was reading a great book recently called CEO Excellence, and there's a phenomenal line in there. And it's something along the lines of, if we don't tell our boards what we need from them, they're probably going to help us in ways we would rather not have their help. <laughs> and it's probably every committee as well as board. Yes, that's brilliant. Because, well, I always say, I have a sign on my desk in my office that says, organization communication, appreciation. And those three words are what I use for everything I do every day, meaning I need to be organized to understand what I need. Then I need to be a good communicator to let whoever I'm working with know what our goal is, what we need from them. You'd be shocked how many boards are never given strict outline of what they're supposed to be doing or how they can help. And then appreciation is everybody is working hard. It has a lot of stuff pulling on them. If you can say thank you to them and appreciate them, you are well ahead of the games in terms of being a leader. I love that three-tier step process. Thank you. And so let's go back to sponsorship again. You've talked to the honoree or someone has talked to the honoree or the board and said, okay, you know, will you please give a warm handoff to AJ Steinberg? So I'm assuming you've done some prep work before you actually have that introductory call with the honorees, attorney or accountant or landlord of their largest facility, et cetera. Yeah, no, that's the organization comes before anything. And you have to assess what you have. I call them assets. What assets do you have to offer to sponsors? Now, one thing people don't usually think about is that we are talking to marketing people when we're talking to sponsors. If you are doing cold calling, if you're going to them, you need to make your case for support, just like for donations, while your organization sponsorships are head over heels better than the hundred other people standing on the curb with little paper signs saying, choose me. It's a whole different world. If you go in and assess how you can drive business to them, prove you're driving business to them, and then create marketing materials that speak to their marketing side, meaning they're beautiful. It doesn't just say, here's a PDF of what we're offering for our sponsorships. I have 
very detailed. And I think that I have a sponsorship toolkit that the digital one, and I have samples of my sponsorship decks. If your sponsorship deck can tell the story of your organization, the event, have quotes on the impact of your mission, quotes from other sponsors as to why you've been so awesome for them to work with in the past, that's going to go miles to getting them to actually look at your sponsorship packages and to understand the value of what you're offering. And it's up to you to put those packages together, but also to start out by assessing what you have of value that will attract sponsors. So let's take both those apart, because I want us to spend a little bit of time talking about those assets that our friends who are listening, their organizations might have that they could offer to sponsors. I also want us to spend some time on the sponsorship deck. Like I'll share with you, I had never thought about quotes from other sponsors. Oh my gosh, what a great idea. But we're going to set that aside for just a minute so we can talk about those assets. And I've read a number of your blog posts in preparation for our conversation today. And that's why I know AJ, that you say, hey, what you have to offer is so much more than the 250 people who are going to be coming to your event and your program book and maybe a quickly rotating banner of logos on the screen. You got way more than that. So tell us, what are some other things that people could really be selling to their prospective sponsors? Well, what you're selling is you're giving them access to a target demographic that they want to reach. And that's important. So we have, there was tons of different kinds of businesses and we try and fit what we have to offer to the actual potential sponsor. So I will give you some examples. There were specific things that I offer at a gala or at an event that I know will sell that nobody else is really selling to sponsors. One of them is I always have a valet sponsor and I always go to real estate people. Why do I do a valet sponsor? Because they will underwrite the cost of the valet. And what is in it for them? Their signage is the first thing people see when they get out of their car. We also put little stickers on the back of the valet that have the logo of the sponsor. When they come back, we allow them to place a business card and a cookie or something sweet in the car. It's the last experience that people have at the event. Super valuable to realtors who want to have multiple touches with the people. I also go for expensive high-end car dealing detailing companies for sponsorships for the valet because once again, they can put coupons into the cars. What you have to realize is that if I can prove that I am going to be sending business to these sponsors, it's like gold. So what I do is all of you who put logos on your website, take it a step further, make them clickable coupons. So when they can click them or they're a QR code, they are linked to your specific sponsorship. So when people redeem them, there is proof in the pudding that you have sent them boots on the ground customers. And to take it one step further, I require my committee members and my board members at some point in the planning process to go to that business, if it's a brick and mortar, and ask for the manager and thank them for the sponsorship. Nobody else is saying, I just ate dinner here or I got my tires changed here because I got this coupon. Thank you for sponsoring us. The impact that has compared to the guys who I consider it sort of like, you know, when someone's moving and you never hear from them until they want to borrow your truck and then they move and they bring it back with an empty tank and you, you don't hear from them ever again until they need your truck again. Don't be that person. You're not the person who they only hear from when you're asking for money. It's us proving to them that we're doing something of value to them as well. 
I definitely want us to also have that conversation about how to keep sponsors, which is, you know, don't be that person. Hey, it's been a year. Will you support my event again? But let's stay again with maybe some things that we could offer. So here's other things I offer. The back of your paddle. I only do bid paddles. I don't do digital ever. I never put people on their cell phones at an event. It's a whole other conversation. I always have the paddles raised. Why? You raise more money. People are more engaged. You don't want to send people back into cyberspace at a live event that you've spent nine months and $100,000 putting on. Keep them in real time. Those paddles, when you have the number on the front, on the back for like $2,500, $5,000, I sell the back for a logo. Because when everyone's holding up those cards, I have a photographer at the back of the room taking a picture of a sea of logos. So awesome as a visual Real estate people love it. I mean, you can't believe it. You know, insurance people love it because their logo and they can reuse that picture to show their support in the community. I also do, instead of a big after party with the band, we have what's called an afterglow party, which is a very mellow, fun get together. Right after the stage program's done, we move them back out to the cocktail area and it's like a reset. And people, if you've done your event right, don't want to leave. They want to sit. They want to talk. They want to have more of that good vibe feeling. And we have that as a sponsorship. $25,000 I just sold the last one for because people are there feeling good. They have logo napkins. We have logo, you know, signature drinks for the sponsor. Anything. We have a ton of stuff. We do that brand, that afterglow for the sponsor. You can also do it for the cocktail party. So the cocktail reception We'll sell that for $10,000. This the cocktail reception is sponsored by. And then what we'll do to really get an oomph is we put an ice luge. So for like eight or $900, we get a logo ice luge. It's a huge ice sculpture of the logo of the sponsor that's illuminated from beyond. And you pour the vodka in the top and the spins down and the signature martini comes out frozen. It is gorgeous. It is Instagram worthy. So many photos for the sponsor to get of this. So it's getting the attention and people love to have that kind of attention. We have the auto sponsor where they can put the car in the lobby and we sell that for $10,000. Whatever anybody wants to sponsor, we have done a plumber and had hand towels in the restrooms because there was a plumber who wanted to sponsor it. Make good sense, right? Or house cleaning service. In one of your blog posts, I also noticed you said, hey, don't forget about your social media following. You might only be able to sell 250 or even 500 eyes in the room, but maybe you have 5,000 or 10,000 people on social media or on your email list, and you should be selling that too. That's exactly right. So people undersell their events. This is typical. Your logo will be seen on a sponsorship loop by 300 people at our event. Well, if you're asking for $10,000, 300 people seeing your logo briefly during a few hours is not valuable. But if you say, because if you have an example here, your logo will be seen by 10,000 loyal supporters of our organization over a six month period before, during, and after the event through social media, email blasts, and digital loop, a tabling opportunity at the event. So what you're saying is it's the same event, 300 people see it, or you're saying, 10,000 people can see it. Now, how do we get to 10,000 people? It's because if you have 1,000 people on your email list and you have 1,000 people who follow you on social media, if you send out 
five email blasts to a thousand people, that's 5,000 people right there. That You're not saying they're going to read it. You're not going to say it. You say it will pass by 5,000 people, five posts on your social media. Right there, 10,000 pairs of eyes have seen your logo, plus have been offered clickable links to purchase and have a discount for something. Right there, 10,000. You can use your math. There's no magic math. Anybody can do it. Just don't undersell your event by just thinking it's that three and a half hour period. It's the six months of marketing. Can I share with you a couple of things like that that I've done during interim engagements? A few years ago, I was in interim at an LGBTQ plus organization. And as we geared up toward our large annual event around sponsorship, there were two things that we did. The first was we said to sponsors, hey, if you sponsor at a certain level or higher, so not the lowest level, I think, but if you sponsor at a certain level or higher, your social media hit will be a team of our volunteers will come out and take a photo at your site in front of your sign, your front desk, whatever, with our logo. And we're going to put that on social media as a thank you. Oh my gosh, AJ, it's so wildly popular. We had like Fortune 500 companies who would reach back out and say, may we use that photo too? We know it's your intellectual property. Can we use that photo internally? And that's when I knew we hit a home run. I love that. I love that. And what you're saying, that goes into stewardship. Because what you're doing is you're keeping the love and the relationship with them by having these photos be valuable to them. You are valuable to them. And along the lines of stewardship, I'll share with you, you know, we did that before the event, but you could do that just as easily after the event. You promise it and you say, this is what we'll do in the month or two months after the event. You know, please don't promise it and then not deliver it. But you could say, oh, you know, following the event, we're going to do a thank you post for you at this level and higher. And again, we found, oh my gosh, there was so much value with that. Our sponsors were resharing it. They were pulling it into their own, for the large corporations, into their own internal media. It was really kind of incredible. The other thing we did though, and we only did this, I think, for like the top two tiers. I had never seen this before and I loved it. And again, this was an LGBTQ plus organization. And we're thankfully are at a time in our country's history where, well, not every company does. A lot of companies really want to show that they are allies to the community and that they're a good employer and a safe place to shop, et cetera. And so we actually offered the highest tiers of sponsors the opportunity for their CEO to be, quote unquote, interviewed about their company and why their company is a good place to work for LGBTQ plus folk and why they're a good choice for LGBTQ plus consumers. And then, of course, why they support our organization. These were softball interviews, which for the most part never happened live. We would send over like 20 questions and say, pick five. You have to answer this one, which is why do you support our organization? But otherwise, pick five and send over the CEO's PR photo. We would run that on our blog. And again, like we got such great feedback from the companies who were like, oh my gosh, you know, we can't believe you just gave us incredible free marketing where our CEO really got to brag about why we are a great company. And you're so smart. And that's it. The, you provided value. There was huge value. We've done it where we've done these videos like you did. We do little, little almost intro videos for the top sponsors where they're it's sort of supposed to be congratulating the honoree and the organization, but what it is, it's branded with that sponsor's logo and it's a CEO. So you play it during the event and they love that. And then they can post it on YouTube and on your site afterwards as a part of it. Because what your organization that you were the interim for had a very distinct value to it. 
creating stickers of support for your top sponsors where they can place it on their website, like a little logo or, you know, I supported this, things like that. Anytime that you can show support, they can proudly show is great. Right. Before we move off of how we value our sponsorship, there's two things I wanted to make sure we talked about. The first is, you believe in a pie in the sky, and that's a quote from you, a pie in the sky sponsorship level. Yes, I equate it to when your kids are applying for college. You have that reach school that there's no way you're ever really going to get in, your pie in the sky, but you have that. Then you have the one you really want that you feel you pretty much can do. And then you have your gimmies. So your pie in the sky would be And once again, when I'm talking about a $25,000 pie in the sky sponsorship, if you're in a smaller market, do not be intimidated by those numbers. Do not be intimidated when I talk about a $10,000 sponsorship. You should look at what is going on sponsorship level wise in other organizations in your community to understand what you can charge for your sponsorships. So if you've never gotten more than a $1,000 sponsorship, a $5,000 sponsorship could be a pie in the sky. Do not be intimidated by the big city folks who have all the money to do this. But if you've had $1,000 was your biggest sponsorship in the past, do a 5,000, do a 1,000, and then do a 500 and a 250. Make it so people can participate because if they're in love with you, after their experience with you, you can steward them to a higher level and show them that there's value to being a part of your event through a sponsorship. So you need your reach, meaning your pie in the sky. Then you need your comfort level. And then you need your gimme. Everybody can do 50 or $100 for sponsorship. I'll share with you, that's counterintuitive to me. And maybe I've done this wrong. There have been some places where I'll come in and I'll be like, yeah, we're going to eliminate the $1,000 sponsorship. And I'll even say to the board, like, I know this is going to sound bold and this might sound bizarre even, but we're going to eliminate the $1,000 sponsorship. We'll have fewer sponsors this year, but we're going to make more money. And we're going to have more time to steward the sponsors we do have, and they're going to have a better experience. And you're right. I agree with you. It's definitely, it's a lot of work. If you're doing it right, you're following up on a lot of things. I also feel like people offer too many levels. Like, don't do 17 levels. Do four robust levels. Usually five is the most I do. And this is just me. I like to keep one level that we can steward newer sponsors in at who, you know, or may only be there because the honoree was, you know, they're the CPA for the honoree. So those half-hearted ones to bring them in lower. But I agree, if you have limited staff, go for what you can. Also, it just depends on the size of your organization. I don't know the size that you've dealt with in the path, but the bigger the organization, you obviously can bring in a bigger chunk of change. So you can say no to the $1,000. One organization where we did eliminate the $1,000 sponsorship, it was interesting because one of the sponsors that was most upset by that and was because they were not going to move up to the $5,000 level was a sponsor that was a large national tech company. I won't name it, but a large household name. Let's just say a lot of people may have some of their gadgets in their pocket right now. Um, So a large, large company. And I just remember thinking, your company sneezes $1,000 bills. Like, if you don't have even that much commitment, you know, like, why would really, really boast you as a huge, phenomenal supporter? Interesting. So that just piques my interest is I wonder how they initially got involved, because sometimes people give because of somebody who asked them. Maybe they had a board member who used to be. I just kind of wonder why they even got involved in the first place. 
Absolutely agree with you. Let's spend just a few minutes and talk about now how we keep these sponsors. So we've gotten, you know, as organizations, you know, our listeners have gotten some great sponsors, maybe $100,000 in sponsors, a $25,000 sponsor, four $10,000 sponsors. We've all seen the pyramids. So I won't keep doing it. So on and so forth. So now they've got these great sponsors. How do they keep them so that next year these sponsors want to be engaged again? That's a great question. And I think that's where most organizations fall down is the stewardship portion. Once somebody signs on, first of all, it's keeping them in the loop. Lots of times people will take the sponsorship check and the sponsor doesn't hear from you until they get an invitation or you get a call saying, who are the people sitting at your tables? The first thing you do is you send an onboarding email because I believe communication is huge, saying so excited that you're going to be a part of this. This is what we're doing for you. And then you're saying, this is how much you're paying so that it's very clear. And then you say, this is what we need from you, meaning high resolution logos. I always ask for a one paragraph mission statement or a paragraph about the company so that we can promote them. And that's what a lot of people do because you want to promote them. Then I always say, how can we drive business your way from our support base? Then as we move through the planning process, if we get some great entertainment or some great auction items, we fill them in. We keep them in the loop saying, we are 90% sold out and we still have six weeks left. Thank you so much for being a part of the successful event. Then we let them know in advance saying we look forward to seeing you and your guests. This is what the schedule is going to be happening keeping them involved, then that's beforehand. During the event, we have special people. I call them goodwill ambassadors. Board members should not be drinking with their golf buddies at the bar. They're goodwill ambassadors. They should be meeting the sponsors at the desk as they check in, walking them through and introducing them to other people on the board. This is huge. One of the big things that's missing is the community building aspect. Then just do what you promised. Do not leave logos off the step and repeat. Do not forget to mention them from the stage. Another thing is that tribute book that you print and spend all that money that's left all over the seats after the event, collect all of them. They are the best marketing tool for next year's event for sponsors because everything you need is in that gorgeous book. You've already paid for it. Then you have to realize most of the decision makers who have decided to sponsor you weren't at your event. Take that tribute book handwritten note thanking them for sponsoring and photos of their logo spread out throughout the event send it to them hand it to them however you're going to do it the next thing is call up thank them and let them know the impact of their sponsorship with your organization and ask them at what level they want to sponsor next year immediately do not wait do not pass go it's a huge no-no so I'll tell you the part that I had never thought about, and I love that's ingenious, is literally to just and not follow up, hey, what level would you like to sponsor at next year? Love that. It also kind of gives them the ability to lock in, lock in your sponsorship now. It might go up. We don't need to say that, but it might go up next year. It's true. I had somebody who sponsored X at a gala last year walk up to me and say, I really want to be on those paddles. Would you put me down for that for next year? Because they're excited. First of all, you also have to create an amazing event. I always say the best way to sell tickets next year is to have an amazing event this year. That is building the confidence, excitement, enthusiasm. The community can't wait to get back together again. And then social media too. I have a post-event 
protocol. I don't think it's in my sponsorship toolkit, but it's about how to keep in touch with both the guests and the sponsor in the six weeks and the couple months following your event. And there's very specific kinds of emails that are sent out one day after, four days after, two weeks after to keep the impact in front of them, telling stories of impact and thanking them for being a part of it. The only other point I want to drive home, and I don't know that you said this, but I believe I read this about you, that you keep a spreadsheet. So you have a spreadsheet that includes all the sponsors and everything that was promised to each sponsor. So you could say, yep, sponsor A, got the social media mention, all right, yes, it's printed on the paddle, everything. And that way you know that they got everything they should get. That's exactly right. And I also have a column for who's in charge of it. Because if you have a bigger organization, sometimes people assume it's taken care of. And if you've ever forgotten a logo on something, you will never do it again because it is such a horrible, it is the worst feeling, right? I don't even take responsibility for that one incident in my life, but it did happen and it's bad. So you know what I'm saying is follow through on what you promise, overpromise, overfollow, not overpromise, overfollow, follow through more, give them more than what you promised. I love doing that. So we're going a little bit longer than usual. I have one final question I have to ask, though, because, you know, when you said if you've ever forgotten a logo and I pointed at myself, I mean, gosh, you know, I've been doing this work for about three decades now. At some point, you're going to make a mistake when we make that mistake. So the event is over and we realize, oops, we left the sponsor logo off the step and repeat or, oh, yeah, I, I forgot to thank this sponsor from the stage and I said I would. What should we do to help make that right? It's up to you to be proactive about going up to them first and acknowledging that there is a situation and saying, let's talk about how we can find something of value to make this up to you. I like that a lot. And that does seem like the best way to do it. Awesome. Well, AJ, I always want to make sure that I ask the off the map question and I've got a good one for you, but also seems kind of appropriate since you do events. I understand that once upon a time in your life, you were a sought-after fortune teller. <laughs> yes. I raised my children in Malibu. We lived in Malibu for 30 years, which is a small community. And like all small communities, every year the elementary school would have a carnival. And the first year my children were there, I I'm an event person. I like to dress up. I had a whole gypsy outfit. They wanted me to tell fortunes. I'd never done this. So I sat in this little pretend gypsy booth, all dressed up with a wig on, and I started telling people's fortunes, which seems like it wasn't a very big deal. I had a great time. I kind of figured out what I was doing. And the next year, there was this line out the door for the gypsy booth. And people came back and they said, you know, you told us that we should move and sell our house. And we did. So I am sitting in a cardboard booth and they said, <laughs> we're thinking of having another child. And I looked at them and I said, I'm really got to stop you here. But everybody would come and everybody would ask me for years to tell their fortunes just because I guess there was some accuracy. But once again, do not take advice from gypsies and cardboard booths at the children's carnival. Yes, everybody in Malibu knew that I was the fortune teller. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What a great story. I love that. I love that. I also like that then people would actually come back and say, you told us to sell our house, and we did. Like, my mind blew when you said that. I was so disturbed. I'm thinking, who on earth 
And it happened like a few years in a row. And then some weird stuff happened and I started getting creeped out myself. So I said, I really can't do this (laughs) to let somebody else be the creepy fortune teller who tells the truth. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, AJ, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that I got a lot out of this. I got two or three nuggets that I'm going to be able to take the next time I'm involved in an event. And I know my friends who are listening did as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was real fun. All right. And friends, always know that if you want more information about AJ, you can go to SuccessfulNonprofits.com. And when you are there, there's a couple URLs that you're going to find. The first is QueenBeeFundraising.com. That is QueenBeeFundraising.com. That is AJ's URL. And there you can find her digital sponsorship toolkit. Do you remember when she said, you've got to have a great slide deck, a slide deck that a corporate executive is going to look at and say, this organization is going to do it right? Like the slide deck's so good, the whole event's going to be amazing. So you can find a sample slide deck in her digital sponsorship toolkit. It has a lot of templates and examples. Additionally, she's got a really great blog. Most of the things that we talked about today, I had actually read in her blog as well. So make sure you check that out at queenbeefundraising.com. Additionally, we will also link to AJ's LinkedIn page. In addition to events, she's had a varied and interesting career, so you definitely want to make sure that you find out more about her on LinkedIn. My friends, if this episode has been one that's really brought some insight to you, helped you think about your next event, and some ways that you can generate more money in sponsorship, and frankly, keep more sponsors year over year, there's two other episodes that I think you will find beneficial. The first is episode 92, Flipping Small Fundraising Events on Their Heads for Better Revenue with Sherry Trular. In that episode, we talked about just some small tweaks you could make in your events that would generate significantly more money for your organization. And then also make sure you download episode 217 with Jack Silverstein, Time to change the way you fundraise and raise more money. Again, that's a lot of what we talked about today. If you can just make some small tweaks, in some cases some big tweaks, you can, instead of raising $100,000, you can raise half a million dollars and close the gap on your capital campaign. My friends, that is our episode for this week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And you know, the lawyers always make me do a disclaimer. And lately, I've been throwing my standard disclaimer into chat GPT and saying, hey, can you give it to me in this style? Or can you give it to me in that style? And so this time around, I asked chat GPT to share the disclaimer in the style of a Luzelle poem. And this is a type of Arabic poetry. It's composed of a minimum of five couplets and typically no more than 15. And I will share with you that each of the couplets is structurally, thematically, emotionally autonomous. And that's part of what makes this particular poem so unique. Here goes. In realms of counsel, I know I'm not the key. No attorney, no accountant claims to be me. Neither I nor practice whispers tax advice. In legal manners and accounting, we are not precise. This melody of knowledge for you we cast, a beacon in the ether, its purpose vast. Don't lean on us for matters tax or legal. Our purpose is purely just informational. 
Seek not from us the letters of the law's decree. In such affairs, find licensed mastery. For service true and seasoned, seek your legal bar. Qualified, prepared, they'll guide you far.